this? Ugh, this is so boring. What else is on? Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, an animation podcast for Kiki Girl Experience. I'm Hope Ballnax and I make my friend Chris Honeywell watch my favorite animated shows. In this episode, when Mabel discovers that her favorite boy band is actually a bunch of imprisoned clones, she sets them free, only to decide to keep them for herself. We're talking about Gravity Falls Boys Crazy this week. How you doing, Chris? Good. Did you do anything fun today? Ah, the last couple days I've been having actually a lot of fun. What'd you be doing? <laughs> you want to hear how old people have fun? I've been organizing my garage. <laughs> I so badly want to take a day and just like or get like organize some of my books and separate out them out and stuff because we're old. <laughs> oh, you don't have slightest idea how much junk is in my. Um, but I've been collecting. I have seen photos, Honeywell. It's a lot. I've, I've collected, um, been collecting milk crates from work because the <laughs> companies that bring us our our milk don't, never want their crates back. So they pile up at work and I take them home. And then one of the other restaurants, which I, I haven't been wor- worked at in a long time, like since March, they just brought me like 15 milk crates. And so I had like 20, 25 of them and just tore a bunch of the shit out of my garage. And uh, milk crates make great shelves, especially if you got zip ties to hold them together. And I had some old shelves, attached all that stuff to the wall and just built this whole wall of milk crate shelf and filled it with board games and, and books and stuff and freed out a lot of room. And now I have a pl- I have another plan that involves at least... At least 12 to 18 more fish milk crates to <laughs> complete my storage in, in my garage, but it's going really well. If I don't get a bookshelf soon, I might have to do the milk crate method. <laughs> the um, milk crate method is superior, I, I think, to finding to, to bookshelves because you can you can do a lot. You, you can you can you can make a little pyramid out of it if you want to be creative and stuff like that with little little seats for your cats up and down the bookshelves and stuff and me they just they hold a lot of books too they're just good and they they like stack into each other so you know they sort of click into place and you can just sort of build them around things it's great i highly recommend it folks if you have access to milk crates it's sad that in the world of COVID that the most exciting thing I did today was go to the grocery store. But the thing is, I love grocery shopping. Like, I love talking to the people there. I love I love couponing. I love looking at the things. And I'm treating myself. I'm going to make my, my wonderful spicy crab and cucumber dip. Oh. It's like, it's a delicious, like, crab cucumber with a little, like, mayonnaise and sriracha. And um, you put like a little bit of sugar in it, just enough to like take the edge off the sriracha and give it just a slightly sweet and then put some um, spices in there and stuff. It's so good. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you just use imitation crabs. It's cheap. <laughs> the most expensive thing is the sriracha. So I had a very boring day. So Gravity Falls. Did you like this episode? I, I've been wanting to know all week. I wasn't sure if you would like this episode or if you would hate this episode because it's no, the I liked it. Episode. I, I don't mind them making fun of boys 
bands. I'm not as hostile towards boy bands as a lot of people. I don't get hostile towards music unless it's really egregious. Like, I get hostile towards modern country music. But, like, boy band, like, ever since I saw the Spice Girls, <laughs> I sort of understood. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I mean, if you like whatever kind of music you like, it's it's music and people like it. And little, little girls and little boys have notoriously terrible taste in music. <laughs> Are sort of affected by what they see and hear around them, so... I mean, there's always going to be a market for prepubescent boys and girls, especially gir- like like boy band type stuff. Although the Spice Girls were a girl band for for girls that worked. Like I don't know, maybe like pubescent boys like you know like they're, they're some some metal or loud aggressive music, but like ten year old girls. <laughs> I, I was thinking about it, um, and I think I have this noted somewhere. I was Mabel's age when NSYNC and Backstreet Boys were big. Like, I was her age. So, like, just reliving, like, this episode, I was just like, I was, that was Mabel! <laughs> that was me when I was her age! Oh my god! So, yeah, I just wasn't sure how you would like this episode, because I, I was just editing, like, a week or two ago. It, it might have been, it was either, like, Little Dipper, Summerween, in, like, that kind of area. And I had mentioned the NSYNC episode, and you were like, oh, God. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I wasn't sure how you would like this episode or not. Well, well, even if I didn't, like, if I was, like, hostile towards boy bands, this is pretty much ripping on boy bands. <laughs> yeah, I mean, e- they even have their own shitty Lou Pearlman. That I couldn't remember his name. I couldn't remember his name, but I'm like, this guy is based... Uh, I remember, like, that there was that producer guy who was super shifty, shady, creepy. And yeah. this And this guy looks to be, like... And I, I remember him being a fat, bald, white guy. And so I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> and it's... it's He was actually the producer for both Factory Boys and NSYNC. And the fun thing about this episode is that I'm going to read in a minute. One of the voices of several times is Lance Bass from NSYNC. So I love that Lance Bass is in an episode that was making fun of his old shitty producer. And they made the shitty producer a villain. So I would I would love to like get his thoughts on that. <laughs> you know, Lance Bass, hit up the show. We'll talk about it. <laughs> I'm sure you're not busy being, you know rich (laughs) all right well you ready to get into it i am ready boys with a z boys crazy is the 17th episode of gravity falls and it aired on april 19th 2013 it was written by matt chapman and alex hirsch the director was johnny oshima and the storyboard artists were eric fountain dave gimmel and von tada some extra information for you the voices of several times are Alex Hirsch, Matt Chapman, who are the writers, but most importantly of all, Lance Bass from NSYNC. Aside from being, you know, a pop star, Lance Bass has also done other acting and voice acting work, including Kingdom Hearts, Zoolander, Handy Manny, and BoJack Horseman. I should definitely say his Kingdom Hearts voicing was, I remember being in high school when that came out, and it was super controversial because he voiced Sephiroth. From Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> I remember when everyone found out. They're like, NSYNC Lance Pass is voicing Sephiroth? It was a thing. Anyway, 
Lance Bass guest starring was a gift from Alex Hirsch to his twin sister, Ariel Hirsch, who was obsessed with Lance Bass as at Mabel's age. She jokingly suggested that he voice one of the characters, and Alex told her, we'll get Lance Bass to do the voice and you can meet him. And he ultimately kept his word. One of Pacifica's friends was actually voiced by Ariel Hirsch in this episode, and that's how Alex got his sister and Lance Bass in the studio to meet. Record producer Ergman Bratzman is voiced by Ken Campbell. His other works include Down Periscope, The Practice, and God, Devil, and Bob. The working title for this episode was Only the Clonely. I love that. Uh, I think that's a better title, actually. Um, I, I think so, too. <laughs> I like Only the Clonely over Boys Crazy. The band was also mentioned in the Disney XD show Star vs. the Forces of Evil in the episode Into the Wand, with the character Marco Diaz as being a fan. Carla McCorkle is the third, and this is uh, Stan's old girlfriend, Carla. Carla McCorkle is the third Carla to be mentioned on the show, after the Carla mentioned in the Tenta Telepathy commercial and cryptogram in the episode The Hand That Rocks the Mabel, and there was a Carla who was the co-host of Cash Wheel from Boss Mabel. In the commentary for the episode, Alex Hirsch originally intended to clarify in the story that Robbie did not purposely put a backwards message into Wendy's song to control her. Instead, as Robbie stated at the end, he plagiarized the song from what from another band that had put the backwards message, and it was included in his version as a result of the plagiarism. Dipper was meant to learn that he wasn't looking out for Wendy and was instead finding conspiracies where none existed and sticking his nose where it didn't belong, simply because he was jealous of Robbie and couldn't come to terms with Wendy's attraction to him. And finally, the members of several times shout 2013 multiple times in the episode. Actually, I'm going to say that one again. The members of several times shout 2013! I just wanted to do that. This line was actually originally 2012, but it was changed before airing because the episode was aired in the year 2013. But, according to Alex Hirsch, the show does not take place in any set year, and this line does not refer to the year the show takes place. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's so silly. Well, as always, Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons is broken down into several parts. Part one will be stories, themes, and characters. Part two is Dipper's journal entries. Part three is Chris's speculation and theories corner. And part four will be ciphers and connections to previous episodes. So, Chris, what part of this episode, Jimmy, your jams? What's your favorite part? I had three. My My first one was 2013. 2013! <laughs> it just seems like something that, that boy bands would yell. It's just a very good random joke. It's almost like not based on anything, but it totally something that a boy band, they would be like, to, you know, make sure you yell this year, you know, because we're pushing 2013. That's your year, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just a great joke. I love Seuss high-fiving himself. <laughs> and... and uh not even blinking. He's just like, goes for the high five, is denied, and, and gives it to himself. No problem. I do self high fives all the time, so I feel you, Seuss. And my other favorite part was, <laughs> we're talking about these cute gay cops that are such a loving couple. <laughs> Yet at the end, <laughs> they, they, just, they just cut the shot away as both of them are raising their batons to just joyfully beat the hell out of the per- the Perlman 
parody character, the producer guy. Yeah, I, you know, we <laughs> talked about this a little bit in our episode for Rational Treasure, how, like, so much of the cop stuff plays so different in 2020! <laughs> I I, well, I saw that. And I, I was like, you know, I mean, this was there. There was still awareness of this then, but like they made sure that they're getting ready to beat somebody who is obviously like, they don't establish they they establish him as being a clo- you know a clone slave master, and stuff. But like everybody knew Pearlman was kind of a creepy guy, so you don't really feel bad for you. You yeah. kind of like, yay, the cops are beating him. <laughs> yeah, he definitely deserved it because he was an asshole. He had it coming. You know, uh, for my favorite parts, I start. I just started writing them down, and then I realized because at first I wrote the part like in the song "Cray Cray," where several times is like, "We're not threatening, yo," <laughs> and then like the clone in the tube when he's like, when the Pearlman character is like, "Dance for your brothers," and you see the little t- tube clone dance, just mechanically like go into the moves. But the thing is, it's like, that's directly from NSYNC's Bye Bye Bye. Like, he's dancing Bye Bye Bye. I used to have that dance memorized. I know that dance. (laughs) I used to do it. And then I just realized, like, I just love, my my really favorite part is, I love everything about several times. I think they're precious. I love their one-liners. I love them trying to learn how to do basic things like drink water, which is just such a funny bit. Did you see the movie What We Do in the Shadows? I want to so bad. They're very much like the werewolves. They're very much like the werewolves in what we do in the shadow. They're just this big, like they're, they're werewolves. But when they're a bunch of guys that are just hanging around in their pack, they're just like, they're, they're just like big dumb dogs. You know, they just sort of bump into each other and are like, Hey, yeah, it's, it's very similar. I want to see what we do in the shadows so bad. It's been on my list for so long, and I just haven't had the chance to sit down and do yeah, it. Yeah, start start with the movie. The movie is really good, and then and uh, go and to then the TV show. The TV show is different characters, you know, but it's the same concept and is equally as good as the movie. It's just a great concept. I've heard the second season is great too. I haven't seen it yet. I heard Mark Hamill was in in yep. it too. Yeah, he was really good. Um, but yeah, like that, that was probably like my favorite part of the episode was everything about several times. Like they're just, they're so funny. Um, and, and we'll get to more of them later, but yeah. Um, so story themes and characters. I have this broken down kind of between the Mabel stuff and then the Dipper and Stan stuff. So where, where do you want to start on this? Well, let's start with the Mabel stuff. Okay, because I actually don't have a lot about Mabel. Um, really, all my notes are around Candy and Grinda. I really like Candy and Grinda's roles in this episode. Because Mabel is fine. Like, she's fun. She's doing her boy crazy thing. Um, actually, I thought back to a line that you said where teenagers at this age is a vat of chemicals. And all I just imagine, like, like Mabel as a vat of chemicals being like, these are my boys! Yeah. <laughs> But I thought Candy and Grinda played really good roles in this episode, which is part of the reason why I like them being in this show, because we're able to have stories outside of Dipper, where Mabel's on her own adventure. She's with her peers. She's with uh, people who understand her. They're just as girly and boy crazy. What makes Candy and Grinda so good in this episode is they call out Mabel on her shit and they hold her accountable, which is what really good friends do. Like, if, if you want a really good friend, your best friends should have the ability to call you on your bullshit. 
And I, I always think of like, 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 like me and Billy, like our patron Billy. She's she's actually my best friend in real life. And Billy has taken my arm before and pulled me aside and said, "Hope you're wrong and you need to stop." And that's what good friends do. And I like Candy and Grinda being in this role of holding Mabel accountable and calling her out on her bullshit, which is what they should be doing. And I, I like them doing this. Yeah, they're the only uh, form of control on her <laughs> in this <Yeah>. episode. Because <laughs> Stan's AWOL on <laughs> this entire episode. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's off with Dipper. He only like really interacts with Mabel, I think, like walking by and then at the end <laughs> like he's actually not with mabel in this a lot um so so what did you think of like mabel's story and, and candy and grinda and, and pretty much the whole several times story it was good it's becoming uh like there's there's a theme running in here about being being greedy and selfish in in uh and it's a, it's it's remember it's puberty falls a lot of puberty lessons have to do with like shaking out of being insanely black hole like self-centered <laughs> yeah dipper and and mabel sort of have parallel stories in this in some ways and uh, about control over another person yeah <laughs> mabel's is more literal like the braid train now and, and dipper's is about i was surprised dipper's story was it didn't end worse for dipper He's trying to help Wendy, but he's tried to help her for selfish reasons. He's trying to he's help her. He's not even really trying to help her. He's trying to win her, which is a difference. Right, but he's trying to do it under the, the auspices of helping her. It's a viable thing to help someone with if, that, if, if she was truly being subliminally manipulated by the, by the song. Because Grunkle Stan, I said Stan, not Rex. Grunkle, <laughs> Stan, Grunkle Stan was... Uh, he was down. He's like, I finally I get to beat a teenager. Yeah, I was I was surprised it didn't backfire more spectacularly on on Dipper. Well, then that, let's let's actually talk about Dipper for a second since we're here. I I like and hate Dipper storyline at the exact same time. I like that they use the show's very premise and use the show's premise as a red herring. Uh, because Dipper is so used to looking for like mysteries and monsters that it would be very logical for Robbie to find some kind of magical CD and, right. and hypnotize Wendy. And so like in Dipper's head, he's like, this is a very logical thing. So I have to save Wendy to, to win her. But in reality, Robbie's just a shitty guy who lied and plagiarized the song. And then Dipper's kind of shitty because he puts his nose in Wendy's business and stands equally shitty because he goes along with it. He's just so, ready to go along with anything. Yeah. Yeah. So Wendy has a right to be pissed off at all of them. <laughs> and I, I like that she like, you know, stands in that too, because like that's her boss. And her her boss, like if my old boss Brad was in my like my personal business, I'd be like, dude, what the fuck are you doing here? Like she has every right to be pissed off at all of them. But I like that they use like the show's premise to set up the red herring because as as uh, as an audience, like we hear the message, we know it's Gravity Falls, we know weird things happen, so it's not out of left field for there to be a magical CD to, to hypnotize people. And it's not really debunked that that wasn't the case either. You know, it was <laughs> it was just a byproduct of Robbie's you know deceit, but like 
<laughs> there is actually whatever the song was he stole <laughs> has backwards masking in it that that worked towards it. I just thought this was a weird episode because, all right, the 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 backward mask song comes from outside of Gravity Falls, and so do uh, so do the boy band. Yeah, I was thinking about that because it's not like the boy band was made in Gravity Falls. It's it's not a it's not a product of Gravity Falls. They actually they they became they ended up becoming part of Gravity Falls. I know they fit, they fit right in there in the in the in out in the woods, but uh, yeah, this was the first episode of like outside. You know, nothing none, none of the mysterious stuff was really like Gravity Falls oriented. Which was strange, usually, because usually it's about the mysteriousness of the town. Yeah, I, I, I was kind of thinking about that too. I, I never really thought about the boys being outside of Gravity Falls until I was like fine tooth combing this episode, and I'm just like, wait a second, <laughs> they're not from here. That means someone has been mass producing them outside. This of is the like city. an LA mystery or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, season three of Gravity Falls, the mysteries of Los Angeles. <laughs> what I do like about the, the Dipper storyline, um, I, I the part that I don't like about it is is poor Wendy getting caught up in all this. But I will say, like knowing the like the greater story of the show, like this is the first step to a lot of things. So I, I'm willing to completely let it go because I know what happens in the future. But I do like the fact that, once again, they subverted the nice guy trope. Because we saw this with the Gideon episode. In Gideon's first appearance, he was playing the nice guy trope, trying to win Mabel over. Uh, being like, don't, you know, let's gaslight her and like be friends and stuff. But we're seeing a different kind of subversion here with Dipper. Because normally what would happen in, in media, just look back at the, you know, any fucking John Hughes movie or whatever. Is it John Hughes that does all the yep. pretty and peaks? And, okay. Yep. Normally, the nice guy would save the girl from the shitty guy, and the girl would be all swoony, and she would end up together with the nice guy. But Wendy calls him flat out. Like, she's like, no, you're selfish, and you're only thinking of yourself. You are all thinking about yourselves, and none of you took my feelings into account. And so I like that Dipper realizes that he he messed up. He hurt her, and he's not going to win her because she's not a prize to be won. And so even though she, he, you know, got her away from Robbie, he still didn't win. And I like the fact that he didn't win. Because that should be the lesson. Like, you shouldn't be able to hurt somebody and then win them. I, I learned my lesson, although I didn't do it on purpose. But I saw the effect of that, basically writing someone out like that. I worked at a restaurant, and one of the girls I worked with there... And uh, I was talking to her one day, and this is funny because the guy has a Star Wars rebel name. His name was Ezra. Oh, Ezra. And, yeah, and one of my best friends from college was dating this guy, Ezra. She was telling me, I think Ezra's cheating with me, with his ex-girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. So I, so I was talking with the girl at work, and I'm like, wow, that's really strange that you tell me that because one of my best friends told me the same thing last night, that her boyfriend was probably cheating with her with her ex-boyfriend. And she's like, what was his name? And I'm like, Ezra? And she's like, what? And she's like, what's her name? And I'm like, Patty? And she's like, no! And it was that. Oh! <laughs> he was he was dating both He was dating both of them and telling each of them that the other one was an ex... Well, I guess the other one were ex-girlfriends or were... 
girlfriends at the time or whatever. But yeah, and that's how she and like it, it. I mean, she was in. I was just like, oh my god, I just broke this news and I didn't even know it. You know, it oh. all got put together at the same time. Yeah, that it was awful. <laughs> Ezra, you piece of shit. Ezra was kind of a piece of shit. He was no Bridger. No. Ezra Bridger is a really good blueberry. <laughs> He's a good blueberry boy. He couldn't even get one girlfriend. <laughs> He's like, oh, oh, my boyfriends are my 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 friends are space whales. Ah, oh, that's Jay guys. Anyway, um, but I, I do uh, to, to go back to Gravity Falls. I, I like that they once again like took a different view. Like we saw the nice guy trope from the point of view of a villain, and now we're seeing the nice guy trope from the point of view of one of our heroes and our protagonists. And I like that that we got to see like both sides of like no matter what this is a shitty thing to do in general. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, okay. I will say one thing I do like about the Dipper storyline is finally getting a story where Stan and Dipper get to have that bonding adventure together because we've had so much Stan and Mabel all season long, and. Like, we, they've had several episodes together. They're usually in B-plots together. Um, so we finally actually got that dynamic of Stan and Dipper. And, and I just like the little scene where, like, Dipper is upset in the kitchen and Stan, like, pulls over the ch- chair and sits him down. And he's willing to sit and listen. And I don't think we've seen that out of Stan so far in the show. Yeah, no, so, they've been keeping Stan sort of separate from the kids. And, and now he's starting to, like, get integrated in. Yeah, and he got integrated in with, like, Mabel first, because, you mm-hmm. know, they were in the Fear of Heights episode in Fight Fighters. Um, they were together the body with... body switching was kind of a bonding with Mabel. <laughs> yeah, and uh, they were together in the Boss Mabel episode, because they had the bet together. So I really like seeing, like, Stan and Dipper finally have that moment together. Um, and I'm actually glad you brought up the body switching episode, because that was... I, I have to wonder if that help Stan open up to Dipper with Mabel being in his body because Stan flat out said while Mabel was in Dipper's body that Stan liked Dipper more than normal so I'm just curious I'm, I'm wondering if Mabel having that moment in Dipper's body made Stan warm up to Dipper and not know it <laughs> yeah yeah no I think it totally did oh poor Dipper can't win without his sister <laughs> I, I liked seeing them did, did you like seeing Stan and Dipper together on this adventure together I did, and I noticed that they didn't make it a super, like... I think they're easing into having Stan involved with, like, really mysterious stuff. And, like like I said, both of these things were from somewhere outside of Gravity Falls. So, like, they're they're def... You know, I mean, definitely Stan has some stuff that we don't know about him because they're they're sort of skirting... Stan, Stan actually, like running into a manator or something like that, you know? So. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is stalking brown meat for the apocalypse and told Robbie to buy gold and bury it. Yeah, and that could mean <laughs> something or it could just be typical of a Stan-like character, too. I mean, honestly, I've known pl- plenty of older people who are yeah. who have bought, like, apocalypse packs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of, like, 40 cases of freeze-dried food in their basement. I know those people. I've actually, um, I, I would, I would like to have like food like that stocked up in my basement. But I've always looked up, uh, whenever I've looked up at the like prepper food, 
it's stuff that you don't want to survive on. <laughs> it's we, all we, like, have, we have some it, in our basement right now. It's all, it's, yeah, it's all, it's all like pasta, you know, it's not like if you realistically, if you really, really wanted to like be like healthy and st- you should can, can vegetables and stuff instead of eating, you know, spending the, like the third year of the apocalypse eating mac and cheese is going to be pretty unpleasant. <laughs> yeah. Like we, we got some and it's pretty much like in a giant paint bucket with like 40 meals, like of flat packages in there. And I honestly just want to break one open just to see. <laughs> yeah, they would yeah. be like almost any just add water sort of thing. They're gonna be they're gonna be carbs and carbs and salt and fat. <laughs> yeah, so I I am curious, but we haven't got there. Um, I do want to note that I do think little Stan and Carla are super cuties, and I like this, that little. That this is the third different Stan we've seen so far. We've got regular old grunkle stan we had 20s stan in this one you know early 20s young stan and then we had i'm guessing 30 something stan in that one episode where he had his had his glasses and he you know looked the, like a looked like a 30 year old guy yeah uh, the time traveling pig episode when the yes. kids are run by the shack yeah, so we so we've seen stan now in three different i i i noticed that because we saw him in time traveling pig and it would have been just it would have been way easier for them to use that model of Stan as the the flashback uh, scene, but they didn't. They aged him down another ten years, so they they created another Stan for. So we've had three models of Stan in this this show so far. We've had three Carlos now too. This is our third Carla. Yeah, yeah. I do like the little joke of our favorite fifties themed jukebox in the seventies. <laughs> That's such a funny joke. But I thought little Stan and Carla were really cute. So I just want to say, well, let me ask, what do you think of several times as being like the magical mystery thing of the week? Oh, it was great. I thought it was funny. Uh, um, the only thing that I didn't like about it was the name of the band. I didn't think it was that funny of a, like judging by like man, uh, all their other names, they come up for stuff and their t- TV show names and stuff are always so funny. And several times, I mean, it, it's sort of a, it's, it's a, it's a joke with the cloning or something. But I mean, even something like clones to men or something like that. Clones I don't know. <laughs> right. See, you know, see, it gets a laugh. This one is just sort of like, okay, it's there, you know, it's they there. But it's been able to do that one. That might have been a little bit too close to like uh, copyrights and stuff. Right, right, and it would have given away the the mystery of them too. But you know what I mean, or clone to clone, or something, or or maybe something to do with a petri dish or a, a um, test tube. Embry, embry boys. Test tubes with a Z. In the em, instead of embryos, the em, the embry bros. Embry bros. <laughs> <laughs> embry bros sounds would be a good like newspaper cartoon strip and it's just like five little male fetuses being bros in the womb there are a bunch of quintuplets about to be born i'm trying to imagine that (laughs) it would be funny if they started as like tiny little things and it's just thinking existentially about the world and then like it's a monthly strip a daily strip that ends in nine months yeah they're like bro mom's drinking beer (laughs) 
Ron's drinking the apple juice again, bro. Chug, chug, chug. But it would also be really cute if, like, they would have Seuss moments, too, of, like, dude, like, what if we're all just, like, side characters in each other's story? Yeah, uh, they would they would have to be alternately, like, completely, like, cute baby stuff mixed with dumb bro humor. <laughs> dude, I think I, like, hold up their, like, little nubbins. They're like, I think I'm going fingers. I'm giving. I have one hope. I'm giving you the finger because it's the only one I have. If anybody ever draws an Embry Bros comics, please give us royalties. <laughs> <laughs> TM copyright right here. T- Embry Bros TM. Hope makes for Smash Cartoons 2020. <laughs> um, I I love several times. I think they're. I love how they all have like dumb names too, like Leggy P, Craggy C, and Deep Chris. <laughs> Deep Chris. I love I it. I want to be Deep Chris. And I love the girls like just... Like Deep Roy. <laughs> oh, yes, you are Deep Chris. <laughs> wow, for half a second, I, like, forgot your name was Chris and that made the joke extra funny to me. <laughs> finally, finally my name comes up in a cartoon. Jesus. <laughs> I know, uh, I get that, because usually when my name comes up in a cartoon, it's like some apocalyptic baby being born, and they're like, we have to give this baby a unique name. It's, it's every other... No, it's every other episode of any Star Wars cartoon we're watching that just yeah. like it hope's been restored again. Uh, the real, the real value of all this was hope. I know we haven't watched uh, Avatar yet. That's our next show. But I was a lot watching of hope cock. Well, in this one particular episode, it's an episode called I think it's The Serpent's Pass, and the the group is helping a husband and a pregnant woman across this like really dangerous area. And the pregnant woman, like, and Aang has just gone through some shit. I won't go into details because we're going to watch it. Aang has gone through some shit. And he's not, a, like, a very happy avatar. And the woman goes into labor. And she's, like, and the whole show is set is set during a war. And she's like, well, I want to give her a very unique name. Something that everyone would know. Hope. And I was just like, Bleh. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it so much. Anyway. They should have named her Ralph. There needs to be more babies named Ralph. Actually, <laughs> my nickname when I was Mabel's age was Ralph. And and I remember this because I was on a soccer team. We were debating boy bands. We actually... So, okay, here's my cute boy band story. Um, so when I was in middle school, 6th um, and 7th grade, I played on the school soccer team. And the person who succeeded the most we have what we called the baby the baby cone and the baby cone was just one of those like you know normal little orange cones only it was tiny it was only about six inches big because we would always set up like cones and stuff like that to do drills and shit and whoever succeeded the most and had the most improvement over the end of the week would get to take home the baby cone for the weekend well since we were all like sixth and seventh graders and obsessed with boy bands we would all dip like rename the baby code the, uh, the baby cone different boy band names so when I ended up got, getting it, I was like, this is going to be named after Brian from the Backstreet Boys. And people were the other girls were like, no, you need to name it Justin and whatever, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, his name is Brian. Brian's coming home with me this weekend. Um, so that's my boy band story of the baby cone. But um, there was it was, a, <laughs> it was a rare time that there was another Hope on the team. And like, I, you know, I very rarely meet Hopes in real life. And so when I, when I had a whole other Hope on the team... We were both goalkeepers, 
And we just, you know, we were both goalkeepers, and so we, we constantly get confused. So finally, I don't remember how, but I was, like, mentioning and talking about my papa, and my papa, my papa's my grandfather. My grandfather's name is Ralph, and so I was like, well, why do you guys just call me Ralph? So, like, you know, we would be playing games, and my coach would be like, Ralph, get the ball! And people would be very confused, because we were an all-girls team, and they were like, is there a girl named Ralph? <laughs> And so that was uh, my nickname, Sounds Ralph. Like a Johnny Cash song. I know, a girl named Ralph. Um, so that was Ralph, my... Ralph and Russell are two of my favorite names for guys. I think that, like, if I had kids and, like, for some reason I was legally not allowed to name the boy child Godzilla, Russell or Ralph would probably be. Even though the only Russell I know is, like, one of the people is, like, somebody i don't like haven't haven't ever liked (laughs) but i still like but he still didn't ruin the name russell i've always liked the name jacob um i don't plan to have kids but i always wanted to have and jacob and isaac i always love the name isaac too bible names them's bible names i know but i don't associate them with that Isaac was a really cute boy. I had a crush on him in elementary that's school. That's why oh my I God. named my kid Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> but so that's that's both my boy band and Ralph story from that I mashed together from the same soccer team. Coming back to several times though, I love them. They're just precious <laughs> babies. They're precious babies who want to live their best lives and see sunlight, and they don't know what trees are, and. I, they don't know how to drink They're literally water. literally like empty vessels. I know. And I just like their little antics, like hair braiding. And like I love the shot of all of them riding and having like boy band races. <laughs> oh my God. They're like, they're basically, no wonder you love them. They're sort of like, they're sort of like the clones from Clone Wars. <laughs> With way less personality. Oh right. my God. I just imagine all the clones from Clone Wars singing boy band songs. Yes, Rex would be that, deep, Chris. <laughs> that was like that was like a that was like a hidden hidden extra bonus feature that they had inside their programming. And like you know, every once in a while, Palpatine after after Order sixty six would get all the clones together and be like Order sixty seven, and they'd all start dancing and singing. Girl, why you whacking so cray 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 cray? We're not Yes. <laughs> yes. Chris, if I remember this, okay, Hope, remember to clip this out. You're this taping it. Yeah, you're taping it so you will remember it. Now you're you're getting you're getting wise to all my tricks. Hope, clip this out and the whole Clone Wars conversation out and then send it to Chris so we can like put it at the beginning of a J Guys episode. <laughs> or just remember to bring it back up in J Guys. <laughs> then we have to put context we're, we're about to do we're about to do season seven so yeah by the time yeah. this episode that we will we will be in season seven but i i just i love them and i love all the stuff i like the lou perlman jokes um that that one scene of he's holding like a gold album and he's just scratching his ass with a gold album <laughs> so i just think they're precious i like that they uh ripped on lou perlman too yeah and um, the only other th- oh also just the line of Grinda kissing the the magazine. She's like, it's Grinda time. <laughs> Such a good moment. Grinda, I realize Grinda's almost like the young version of a Chris Farley. Do, do you remember Chris Farley on Saturday Night Live? Yeah. 
they used to, I think it was Adam Sandler, one other guy, and Chris Farley would all dress up as women at the food court and, at, you know, on their break that were friends that would meet and they'd gossip about everybody. But the Chris Farley character would be like eating and like, he'd be like, oh, I like, I like that guy. I like that guy. And they'd be like, is that your third hamburger? And he'd go, shut up, I'm hungry. I missed those sketches, but yes, that does sound like Grinda. Yes, and, and he would be very, very light and feminine all throughout the time, but when anybody would question him on his eating, he'd be just like, I get lightheaded if I don't eat. They, I think they developed the Grenda character from like just that one gag from Saturday Night Live and developed it into a character, you know? The only other thing that I have... It's such a quick little scene, but it's right after it's it's the scene where Seuss talks with the Lou Perlman character, the producer guy. Like I love Seuss in that scene because he uh, right away recognizes that this is a really shitty guy. But Seuss stays kind. He completely defuses the situation, and then he praises Gompers, the goat, for eating the producer's license plate. Yep. And I like I like that scene because this guy is clearly very aggressive, coming onto their property to be very mean and aggressive. And Seuss is just, you know, stays calm. He acts like himself, gives himself a self high five, and when the guy leaves, like you see him look at Gompers, like who has just now destroyed part of his car, and he's like, "Good boy." And I like that. It's such a small scene, but I, I think that's one of the best Sue scenes because it's he... it's a play on one of my favorite tropes. The like, you know, the city the city folk coming into the country and thinking they they're gonna push them around, push the simple folk around, and they're but they're really out of their element. And the the simple folk just like see them for what they are and just like yeah, whatever, dude. <laughs> it it just goes back to like Sue's clearly being like the smartest person in the room <laughs> and he recognized like this is not a good guy and i cannot let him on this property i don't know why but i will protect it good goat <laughs> yep. So, yep. but that's all we have for this episode did you have anything else not really so now to on now to on now to on the next part part two we're going to read from Dipper's journal entries from journal number three. The thing is, there's not an entry for Boys Crazy. Um, they did not cover it in journal number three. So what I thought I would do, since I didn't get the journal until what, like, was it Fight Fighters was the first entry that right. I read the journal? Um, I thought I would go back and read a couple of the older entries. So and start at the beginning. And if we come across, there's, there's not a lot of episodes that aren't covered, but every once in a while we get one. It would uh, make sure it, you know, it would make sense. I'm just thinking not to have a Dipper journal entry because this is a non-Gravity Falls situation, and I don't yeah. know if he was even involved at all in the no. whole. No, the, in, the in, closest in Mabel's thing. Story. The closest thing they got is when they brought the boys home in the bot in the the duffel bag, and he's like, "What's that?" And Candy's yeah. like, "We want, we we robbed a bank. I'll cut you." Yeah, yeah. And then Stan walked by, and they hid in the rafters while they were dancing. Like, that's that's the closest they that's got. That's about so. it, yeah. So for the journal entry, I thought I would start at the very beginning with the very first entry. So, <clears throat> June 1st. Hey there! My name is Dipper Pines. From now on, I'll be the one writing in this book. You're probably wondering how a normal kid like me wound up with one of the most amazing books of all time. Well, it wasn't on my summer reading list. The truth is, and these are all crossed out, 
I fought a hundred mummies to get it. Crossed out. I broke a vampire's neck and took it from him. Crossed out. I pulled it out of the stomach of a dragon with my bare hands. That's crossed out. And then it says, I found it on total accident. At first, this whole thing was covered in centipedes and dust and smelled worse than my grunkle Stan. More on him later. But once I blow-dried all the moth out, all the moths out, I began to look through this sucker, and I've been obsessed ever since. To be honest, no one in this town gets me. My weird money-grabbing great-uncle sees me as cheap labor. My sister is going through a boy's crazy phase, and the shack's employees, and it says Wanda and Zeus, with the Z as in zebra, just gossip to each other all day. No one believes me. And from the moment I arrived, I felt like there was some conspiracy going on in this town. Whoever this author is, he's the only person who I've ever learned the truth about this place. I vow to follow in the previous author's footsteps, unravel the mysteries of the strange town, and answer the ultimate mystery of all. Who is the author? After Grunkle Stan's done making me hose off the satch crotch, of course. But before I begin, maybe I should tell you a little bit about myself. Your new author! Name, Dipper Pines. Age, 12. I'll be 13 by the end of the summer. Home, Piedmont, California. It's a nice place, but very boring. Interest, video games, the paranormal, photography, Icelandic pop group, Baba. Siblings, my twin sister, Mabel. Imagine me with girl hair and about a thousand pounds of sugar injected into my bloodstream. Can be a real friend when she's not doing one of her bits. She's smarter than people give her credit for and often acts the way she does just to drive me insane. She was a lot more fun before her boy obsession, though. My distinguishing features. A weird birthmark that's, that looks like the Big Dipper, hence my nickname. Mom says it meant that I was destined for greatness. Grunkle Stan says it looked like someone spilled hot sauce on my face. Note to self, never show him this journal. So that was the first entry from journal number three. Three. Just to he shouldn't. Have, he shouldn't have put his name in it. You're not supposed to put your name in journals. You're supposed to be mysterious. <laughs> He's twelve. Give him some crit, some slack. I like that he didn't know Wendy's name too. <laughs> I know Wanda and Zeus. All right. Well, now for my favorite part of this section, Chris's theories and speculations corner. Well, towards the end, I was starting to write down. This band's just going to be free range roving in. And then by the end of the episode, it's like, oh, that's not a prediction. They're showing it in the episode. But I think that I think that we'll get we'll see them again. I would like to see them teamed up with the Manators. I think <laughs> like that, that they would be the ones that would gravitate together. But my my prediction is someday we got to see it for so in a flashback or time travel or something. We got to see a little kid stand probably at the same age as Dipper and Mabel. I, I, I have a feeling that like after we've seen three different phases of Stan, I'm like, all we've got left to see is super old man Stan and little kid Stan to make it com- the, the Stan phases complete. So I'm, I'm convinced we're going to see a little kid Stan sometime. Maybe Stan will get de-aged sometime or end up in the body of a little kid or something but i think i i i think we're gonna see a little little kid version of stan i just imagine stan like the phases of the moon and it's like we've seen all these phases except for the new moon 
Well, that's what's great about a cartoon character is it's not a real actor, so you can you don't even have to cast it creatively. You can just like show them at all ages and stuff, and that's always fun, you know. Mm-hmm. Especially to see what a little Stan would be like. What do you think a little Stan would be like? He could. I, I'm betting he was a little wimp. I'll bet. I'll bet he was a little scaredy cat. Then how do you think he got to this point? Life. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay, I will totally give you that. Life, <laughs> yeah. Kid. Uh, he he traveled through time and lived through the year 2020. <laughs> he just got old, you know. <laughs> yeah. He ran into Blendon Blandon, and Blendon Blandon was like, "Please avoid year 2020." And he was like, "Why do I get rich?" And he just hop, time hops, and he's like, "This year is horrible. Take me back." And he's like, "I've seen shit. <laughs> They're taking away the post office." <laughs> so, all right, that's cool. Did you have any other theories? Nope. That's it. All right, so next is our ciphers and connections to previous episodes. So there is one connection to a previous episode. This was actually from last week's episode, Carpet Diem. And so after their very first slumber party at the beginning of the episode, Mabel awakes and she has a DVD case on her face. And it's a several times movie. And... So it hinted at the future appearance of the boy band. You can actually see the band uh, on the cover of the DVD. So I think it's called Boys World. I meant to write it down. So and it's a nod towards Spice World from the Spice well, Girls also movie. Mentioned, they also mentioned um, the candy that she was eating in the in the convenience store episode. Remember they asked her if she was on the the I can't remember the name of it, but those whatever it was powder again. Oh yeah, yeah they did. That I I did see that as one of the notes. Um, I didn't think it was... Doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. if, if we were going that or route, then there's, there's things, uh, there's so many every episode. <laughs> um, and as always, there is a cipher at the end of every episode. And once it's decoded, it reads, Happy Now, Ariel? And it's a reference to Alex, to his sister Ariel, getting to meet Lance Bass. And Ariel later made a post on Tumblr stating that she was very happy about it. So, I have to always take a moment to thank my wonderful patrons. I will say I did get a new patron, and I'm going to introduce the person here. But um, what I'm going to do is, every time I get a new patron, I said I would write um, some kind of story with all you guys. And this time around, I wrote a song for you. And it's it's called The Ballad of the Patrons. So let me take a drink. And I wrote this song, and I hope you guys enjoy it. So here is, for my patrons, the Ballad of the Patrons. Just sit right back and hear our tale, a tale of a fateful trip. It started from a small website aboard a tiny ship. Kate was in charge of sailing ship, a skipper brave and true. Eight passengers set sail that day on a podcast tour. On a podcast tour. The weather started getting rough. The recordings were all lost. If not for the courage of Kate, the podcast would be lost. I just rhymed lost with lost. This ship set ground on the shore on this uncharted desert isle with Billy and Lynn too. There's Bree and her wife Alex. The J-Guy stars. Brian, Patrick, Heather, and now Jean, Jean, the podcast machine. Do, 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 do. Jean. <laughs> he went and did it, Jean. You went and did it. He did. He said. He even sent me a message. He was like, "Oh, you got me." <laughs> he actually <laughs> sent me a text. 
he was like, he wrote me on Twitter. He was like, you got me now. And I was like, hey, Gene, what's up? <laughs> oh, thank you guys so much. Yes, that was the Gilligan's Island you theme get, song. You get, I know you gave me a, a small case of banned PTSD. With <laughs> really? This. Yeah. We had a, a, a song that our bass player wrote. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of it. It was uh, it was it was something about sailing. We we didn't perform it a lot. We 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 did for a small. Pe- I I wish I could find a recording of it. I don't know where. Adrift. That was the name of the song, but it started out with it. It was a really bouncy bouncy song, and and it's, it was about people on a slave ship taking their slave ship over and sailing off into Europe <laughs> to go just live. And uh, but it started out with the beginning of the Gilligan's Island, and it would always start with him just like just sit back this is a tale tale of a fateful trip, and then um, what somebody else in the band, uh, various members would grab the cowbell and fail sail a fateful trip, dunk with the with the cowbell, but it was always a joke of people racing to get the cowbell, and sometimes they would go dunk dunk. So as soon as I hear Faithful Trip, I hear dunk of a cowbell in my head. And I'm getting ready to like start the song, which had a sort of bouncy like damp ba damp ba damp ba damp bam sort of <laughs> feel to it. I I just always remember the song from um, learning about in middle school Emily Dickinson because so many of her poems actually match because it's the kind of like mm-hmm. style she wrote in. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of Emily Dickinson's poems are to the you can sing to the Gilligan's Island theme song and I remember having to memorize one and like we had to perform it at the in front of class so like I still remember it to this day like I'm a nobody who are you are you a nobody too then there's a pair of us don't tell the band it's just you know how dreary to be somebody how dreadful like a frog how, how, how dreary to be somebody how something like a frog to live something to live long day to an admiring dog like we all had to like sing our Emily did, Dickinson now, poems. Now, did you double up those last lines though, like they do in the, which is sort of more of a song edition? You know, a bonus. Nah, like we we didn't have to. Yeah. To, but sometimes I would do it, like if I was just doing it to myself, like to an admiring bug, to an admiring bug. I but just I, realized I our band had another song that started out with. La, 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 la. <laughs> Well, thank you guys for being part of our wonderful patrons. <laughs> also, uh, if you guys like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. It helps people find the show. Um, it's it's actually, if you want to help out the show, that's one of the most helpful things you can do is leave us an, a review on iTunes um, because it keeps us in the iTunes charts. It helps people find the show. Um, I saw it's you actually... on Facebook giving people a tutorial on how to <laughs> do iTunes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when when a few, uh, well, at the time of this recording, um, our show debuted at like 41 in the charts. And I was like, I've never been 41th in anything. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Almost cracking the top 40. Almost cracking the top 40. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's actually super duper helpful. And for those of you who have given us uh, reviews on iTunes, like, thank you so much. I read them. I've saved them, I read them, and then I cry. <laughs> I memorize them. I say them to myself as I fall asleep at night. Actually, that was a really nice one. <laughs> I, it was actually like, like if I promote the show in the future, like I was like, this is how I'm going to promote the show. Did I? I'll always I remember my iTunes reviewer where 
one of the two true freak shows i don't know that i did with scott gardner they're like i like that scott gardner guy the other guy with the scratchy voice is annoying and just cuts off the i don't want to hear him talk you wrote he just it cuts yourself? everybody off <laughs> just like yes <laughs> i'm still here man i'm still here you got to go oh, through me to get you scott it. gardner i thought you meant you wrote it for yourself no, somebody else wrote it. Somebody else, <laughs> somebody who didn't like me wrote a review. They're like, Scott Gardner's cool. Chris Honeywell, he's poo 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 head. I loved it. <laughs> or my, I, I encourage it so somebody might be like, all right. <laughs> I will. <laughs> well, uh, did you have anything else for this episode? Not really. So, what were your final thoughts on it? I liked it a lot. It was less fluffy than the last one, but it, it was it was fun. I liked I liked where they went with the boy band with it, as opposed to where it could have passed. I like the direction that they that they took it in. It was hilarious. I like this episode too. It's a fun one. Um, I really love Candy and Grinda's roles in this episode and being the ones that get to hold Maple accountable because that's what friends do. Um, I like seeing Dipper and Stan finally finally bond even though it's doing something mm. really shitty to wendy <laughs> uh, but i love several times they're just sweet precious boys and they're dumb and i love them they're just you know they just want to be out in the wild and kiss trees <laughs> i love. I know them i so can't much. wait to see them like in a further episode though when they're all like, like have beards and stuff or maybe they don't ever get beards maybe they're genetically like if they can encode dance moves into them they probably don't they just probably don't grow facial hair and that and that and their their actual hair might just be like like a horn. <laughs> <laughs> I think like it one just of them grows like, into that golden shape, you know. <laughs> I think like Leggy P had like a mustache, but I like the idea of like it's just part of his skin, <laughs> like a tattoo. <laughs> ugh, 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 ugh. All right, well, uh, where can people find you, Chris? You can find. <clears throat> pardon me. <laughs> I was right in the middle of a coughing fit and muted. <laughs> You can find me in my <coughs> dark little smoke hole <coughs> where I live with burning newspapers at tutufreaks.com. That is our website where we keep all our podcasts, all the Tutu Freaks, including J Guys and Jedi, the, the podcasts that I do with other nerd named Hope Mullinex, where we talk about Star Wars cartoons. And we're just in. getting ready to do season seven of Clone Wars. We will Our be original on. We will be. all began. We will be on season seven of Clone Wars by the time this episode comes out. <laughs> when it all began, so shall it end. And um, we are also on Facebook. We got the Two True Freaks podcast page and the Two True Freaks Cantina. One is for business, the other is for pleasure. And we are also on Twitter with the aforementioned and now locked in Gene Gene, the podcasting machine running our Twitter feed. Gene! That's about it for me. Where can they find you besides right here where they've already found you? Well, of course, this is the animation podcast for geekygirlexperience.com. You can read all my reviews over there and all sorts of fun things. 
Um, of course, there is the Patreon, which I need to remember to write fucking down in here, because I always forget to write it down, and I meant to do, and I keep forgetting to. Oh my god, let me just go ahead and just cut, cut, cut. Just going to copy and paste this right now. Don't forget that Patreon, Hope. I know, I always, I always meant to add in the link, and you, you know what? That's not what I... No. Mama's gotta eat. I know. Of course, there's also the Patreon, which we have mentioned. And the Patreon's cool because you get behind-the-scenes stuff. There's different tiers of content that you can subscribe to. Um, and you can find that at patreon.com slash geekygirlexperience. You can find me at Hope Molinex on Twitter. Of course, I run our Jagas and Jedi account that Chris had mentioned, and that's at Jagas and Jedi. And I also write fanfiction over on Archive of Our Own under the name Chaos Lydia. You're always excited for next week. What's but up with next, that? But next week is actually like one of my personal favorite favorite episodes of the entire series. Oh. I know. I love I'm intrigued this you Ed. I I think you're gonna like this one because this one's gonna do something that you've been kind of hinting around for a while now. Oh good. Good. Yeah. Do something this- I've been wanting. I, I think you're gonna really like this. Uh, the last three episodes of season one just like absolutely brings it, and we're we're there. So, the title of next week's episode is "Land Before Swine." Oh. Any thoughts? Well, I mean, obviously, we're talking like parody name of "Land Before Time," which was oh, I can't remember the name of the animator, but it was it was. Uh, Dan Bluth, Bluth, I think? Bluth. It was Dan a Bluth, Bluth animation. Yeah. So we're talking dinosaurs, but we're talking pigs. So maybe the maybe our pig pal gets uh gets devolved, or maybe they go back in time to where pigs ruled the earth. I'm sorry, be. Don Bluth. Don Bluth, yes. Yeah, it's it's we got pigs and dinosaurs and we've got a pig character in the show, so I don't know. <laughs> you always make that noise. Oh, I'm super excited about next week. It's one of my favorite episodes. I'm shaking my desk. I don't know if I'm recording or I'm affecting the recording, but I am shaking my desk. No, but I love this episode so much, Chris. Oh, my God. <laughs> so come back next week, and we will be talking about Land Before Swine. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, did you know that you are actually two months behind on Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons? My patrons over on Patreon have access to more episodes of this show as well as behind the scene content. Patreon is a great way for you to support this podcast and my website Geeky Girl Experience with multiple tiers of content that you can choose from. If you become a patron, you'll get your name shouted out in the episodes as well as my never-ending gratitude. You can sign up today at www.patreon.com slash geekygirlexperience. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time, and I love you guys. Bye.